The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 221, brought to you by C2E2, Emerald City Comic Con, and Discount Comic Book Service. And of course, iFanboy members like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 221. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron Richards. Well, hello. <laughs> That's a new one. Connor, balls in your court. And over here, Connor Kilpatrick. Hi. <laughs> oh, too timid, Connor. <laughs> okay. That's All right. iFanboy. We like comics. We read them. Every week we read a bunch of them, and one of us picks the best one, writes about it on the website, talk about it on this here podcast, along with lots of other topics of interest. Mouth was getting all spitty. I had to stop that. <laughs> Stay tuned to the end of the show. We're going to announce more giveaways. I don't know if you noticed. That's becoming a regular thing. Uh, yes. Before we get going, a little, little reminder. is a spoiler-laden program. So we're going to talk about the books that came out this week and the stuff that happened in them. So if you haven't read them yet, then, then back away, sir. Uh, and then come back, back away. later after you step back away off, from the though. podcast. Step off. Because I don't want to hear that I ruined the book for you. I don't want that. These guys don't want that. We haven't gotten that complaint in a long time. We really have Ever, since we, ever, ever yeah. since we put the warning in. They yeah, it's been like four years. Yeah. <laughs> Which really puts life in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. What Remember when that was our biggest problem? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the- so, Connor, you had the pick of the week this week. Nice light week. Yeah, uh, this is a great week. I love this it was, week. It wasn't too bad. This was actually Wednesday was a great day for little inner child Connor. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> because it snowed like 12 inches. I got to run around in the snow. I um, <laughs> Big old Connor just ah! <laughs> <laughs> throwing snowballs at people and just, <laughs> just doing a it's face like, plant in a bank. Like Will Ferrell and Elf. Popping kids in the face with snowballs. <laughs> um, those punk kids live my block. And I got a, a bunch of great comics, and the pick of the week was Amazing Spider-Man 620. Another, I don't know, I think it was the snow, it was the atmosphere. I just felt very, like, childlike and reading the books on my couch and, you know, with, like, hot chocolate and pajamas. snow on the ground. And and Spider-Man is, you know, he's, when I think about it, he's as important as any superhero is to me because as a kid, Spider-Man was all around. Yep. Like Christmas. I, I was just, um, that's all I heard. Spider-Man uh, is you know, all around Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man is amazing. Friends cartoon, also the Spider-Man cartoon from the 1960s, which they replay on TV in New York. Um, you know, we everyone watched that, and Spider-Man was as important as any other superhero, you know, including my favorite Batman. Spider-Man was always important. So when Spider-Man comics are good, I'm happy. It, you know, I wrote my review that Spider-Man comics need to be good, and that's to- that's totally true. I told that that there is a direct correlation to growing up in our generation when Spider-Man comics are good, life is good. Well, yeah. it, let me ask you two something: Is Spider-Man more important to you because he's he's so associated with this city? The 
that's I think that's a part of it. It's a part of it, but really it's it's the fact that as a kid, you know, I could say every day of the week I watch a Spider-Man cartoon. I watch yeah. that 1960s version in the morning. You know, uh, Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever Spider can. That that one, and then the amazing Spider Man is amazing friends every Saturday, and that was. Man, I saw the was, same rerun of that damn show every week, and it was on really early. So I remember having to get up at like seven, and it was yeah. always it was always that one where the dude turned him into a, like a half man, half spider, and I friggin' hated that episode. Oh, I always <laughs> saw the Ten Little Indians one with the Avengers. I never saw that when one. they went. They went to <laughs> they went to some awesome. house and they started they started disappearing and it was Captain America and Spider Man. But so anyway, the point is when Spider Man is good, I'm happy and I think Spider Man being good is good for the industry. I think when yep. Spider Man comics are bad, that's a bad sign. Sales sign. I think Spider Man is the flagship character at Marvel. Marvel is the biggest American comic book company. Spider Man should be good and I think Spider Man is good right now. And I loved six twenty. Six twenty was the final issue of the. A Mysterio arc, and this was just packed. It was one of those comics where, you know, you read a comic sometimes and you feel like you're done with it in five minutes, and you, you just wonder where where it went. This one, it felt like every page was bursting. There was some eight panel pages, but it never felt overwhelming. There's a lot of dialogue, but it never felt overwhelming. A lot of that had to do with the great layouts from Marcos Martin and Javier Pulido, who split the book. They had some really fun, innovative um, layouts, which is something we've come to expect from Marcos Martin. In the past, but you know, like big sound effects and Spider-Man crossing over multiple panels. One, I liked one page where there was an there was like a backward, upside down L-shaped panel, and Spider-Man was the, arced into both of them. The panels, the, the panels were amazing. There's the panel where Carly walks away towards the end, and they just broke her a little panel around her, even though it was the same scene. Oh, I, I yeah. just felt like the combination of the art, the layouts, the sound effects. I love this, you know, the lettering. I don't often, I talk about how I don't often notice lettering, but in this one, like when Spider Man shows up in the barge and there's the big Spider Man in the dialogue balloon, like that stuff to me feels like Spider Man comics. And this yeah. was one of those things that just, it just feels like the, we say all the time how the, the brand new day is sort of redefine, you know, recapturing what Spider Man comics should be. And, and this was almost the perfect template for it. He's, yeah. He's up against too many enemies to handle. He's in over his head. He finds a way. He uses his brain. He uses his strength. He outsmarts the enemy, even though the enemy thinks he's outsmarted him. And then at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's soaking wet from falling in the in the river. And he's drinking a cup of coffee, and he's got his mask rolled up. And that's, yep. to me, the entire arc of this issue was sort of quintessential Spider-Man. And to me, and it made me so happy to read that, you know, and on the couch as the snow was coming down, and and I'd been running around in the snow, and it just felt like, it felt right. You know, it, this was a very emotional pick, and not that it made me emotional, but if it was a more, it wasn't like I sto- story was better than the other stories, or the art was better. Although the, the art was fantastic, it's just that I felt really good when I finished it. Was it. A, it was a gut you know? pick. Yes, which is fine, and it's a valid because I mean, and what's interesting about the art is that the art chores were shared by both Mar- Marcos Martin and, and Javier Pulido, and I barely noticed. Well, they have a very similar style. I think the style is perfect for yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, this is there's a way to there's a way to put multiple artists on a book and make it work. And you got to find them with complementary styles. And personally, I think unless you're doing like flashbacks, where okay, this artist is this time period, and this artist is this time period. But for this, it like their styles were so similar, and and they probably were cheating towards each other to make that flow go so much better. And that's just a great decision. You know, I was looking for a break, like a place where I could yeah. tell the difference, and I could not. I, yeah, totally. Um, I think this this retroy style is great for Spider-Man. I like look, I like all kinds of different artists. I liked when modern guys have done Spider-Man. I like McFarlane and I like, you know, all kinds of things, but I think for me, I I think this is the best way to draw Spider-Man. It's yeah. it's it recalls Ditko, it it recalls 
you know, Romita, it recall, you know, it's, it, it's, but it's also very modern in the layouts and, and how the story's told. It's just, I, I just love this style for Spider-Man. It's, it's respectful of the past while being, you know, while blazing the future. And, and, and I got to admit that um, uh, specifically within the story, this was kind of, you know, Spider-Man's face off against Mysterio, the villain. Mysterio is my favorite Spider-Man villain, hands down, I think. I, I just, I, every Mysterio, I don't, I've never read a Mysterio story I haven't liked. Uh, so I was glad, uh, and this I was, liked him a lot in this issue too. He was yeah. great because he's a performer. He's yeah. not, he's not a guy down on his luck trying to rob a bank for money. He's not driven by revenge. He's not psychopath. Well, he probably he's a psychopath, but he's not like you know the typical psychopath. He's he's got a flair for the dramatic. He, yep. he, it, and it's and it's fun to watch him. You know, he's he's really not really committing a crime as so much as he's directing a play. Yep. And I, I think that's interesting to watch. Yeah, it was really cool. And there, there are other great, there are other great art moments, like you mentioned the L-shaped panel, which was awesome. But then there was a couple of shots where they did the, um, where you could see through the mask to see Peter's face. Yes, which I like that a lot. Oh, I mentioned was, that in my yeah. review. That yeah. was my. I like that. You know, some artists will make the eyes big or yep. small when he's squinting. Like they'll play with the, the reality of the mask. Whereas it was, there's two, these two artists are very much the art. The, the mask is real. It's not like he can move it. So in, in this instance, how do we get to see his expression? Well, well, they turn his mask translucent in a bit of some of the yeah. scenes, which I like. When, when he comes out of the water, his brow looks furrowed a bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, Marcos Martin. Oh no, Javier Pulido. If you sell your art, I will buy that page with the L shape panel. I'm looking at that page. That Great one. Page. That one square panel with Carly on the phone. Like it's it's like pop art. It's amazing. It's like so so good. That was the only thing that bugged me was that. So the big the big kind of you know the kind of the the question is that whether or not Carly's father was dead or was one of Mysterio's kind of goons. And at the end, she gets the text message supposedly from him where it says "Ready to go? Where are you?" in text speak. Yeah, I, I don't think a, a, a dad isn't writing. In text I think speak. that's a dead, more uh, dead police. Yeah. My mom yeah. writes like that. Does she? Yeah, oh, wow. Awful. <laughs> I think oh. the, maybe the parents go too far thinking they're doing it right. Yeah, but he's maybe. like a dead police guy who's supposed yeah, to be yeah. hard bitten uh, that he's using yeah. text at all yeah so maybe I, I, it's not him maybe it wasn't him so i will say that you know like i like this issue a lot but at the same time i kind of i totally lost track of the story a couple of issues ago like i enjoyed mm. reading the moments i liked the mysterio sort of character stuff when he was talking about his death scene and everything but as far as the who's and where's and what's of the dead father and the there's a lot of there's a lot of characters and a lot of people come back from the dead who were yeah. not really dead and, and that was a bit confusing but i thought that hurt for me. It hurt the story more in the, in the other chapters, whereas this one is sort of just a big battle. Yeah, yeah. but I and, and I like the overall arc of this gauntlet thing, where they're they're I don't want to so cliche to say redefining, but they're redefining all the classic villains yep. who are my favorite. I like this. I like the old school spy. I'm, I'm I'm a Sam Raimiist. I yep. like Electro. I like Sandman. I like Mysterio. Not so much Venom. Not so much the newer villains. But I like that they redefine them, and I want to see them all come together, which is what's going to happen at the end, and that'll be fun. Yeah. I, Spider-Man, like I've I've gone on record many a time saying, ever since Brand New Day, Spider-Man's been awesome, and it just continues, and it just I'm I'm amazed that a, a, a nearly weekly book has been this good, for you know for so consistent. Casada might have had a point. No, no, because I if you because here's the thing, and 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 this is a little bit of a detract of of, of a, what's the word. Um, Getting off, getting off digression, getting off topic. But if you had taken Steve Wacker as an editor and the this brain trust of writers and this rotating artist and gave them Spider-Man before Brand New Day, I, they, I still would have been good. I still would have read that. I don't think – I think the fact that you took Mary Jane out of the equation 
didn't give them, oh, now you can do great Spider-Man stories. That but, team and these people doing it, doing uh, it on a weekly basis, fine. I think... No, you could do great Spider-Man stories, yeah. but you lo- they lost a third of the character. That was the problem. Well, yeah, but but they could still get... I I, st- I don't believe the heart of the character was gone when he was married. That's that's but, still my point. But the know? bold strokes of the move, regardless of what the move is itself, I think yeah. was the thing that set the stage for everybody to just be like, okay, now, it's now different, take yes. this momentum and take it and run with it. And if they'd been trying to keep those other balls in the air that had been going before... Those that was more of a shackle. That was more. Well, the only ball in the air was the marriage. That was they didn't. No, they didn't it was, the, the it, no, no, it was everything. Have, everything that went with the marriage. It was the, the fact ma- that he worked for Stark. It was the fact that he had. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It, they basically. Well, they've been undoing that slowly, slowly but surely. I thought that it was more about translating it. It was more about starting over from scratch and saying all these things we saddled Peter with in the last twenty I, years. I still was, think. I still think they could. I still think it, we, it could be here a year later, and it would have been as good of a book. It would have been like, wow, Spider Man's good again. That's what would have been the the thing. I, but I, I do understand the change as catalyst. But I don't know. It was unnecessary and it was mean. No, not not, not real people. <laughs> Once again, uh, one one very strong candidate. I just want to preface this by saying I had a couple of I had three strong pickly candidates at the end. None of them made me as happy, but Day Tripper number three was right up there. Oh God, damn it! This it's not. It's like it should. It's it's it should be criminal. It's not even fair. How good this comic criminal is. didn't come out this week. <laughs> uh, um, so, what did you think of Day Tripper? I thought that for right away. I thought that you when you picked uh, this is one of the best covers of the week. Uh, yeah. I think you were you were dead on. I don't think I even noticed the cover until I looked at you, you know your review of it. And I went and I went back and I was like, wow, that really is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was probably my my favorite of the issues. And then the other side of things is that I I kind of get where we're going now. Yep. Uh, whereas the other two, I wasn't really sure. It's just sort of different versions of this guy's life. Um, so what do you where do you think this is ultimately going? I don't I don't know what the ultimate. See, I can't decide if the deaths are the deaths are metaphors. I think, or not. I think it's about different choices now. Yep, just, I, and, I agree. And it's and I love that because there's small stories about choices in this guy's life and you know, he doesn't do the thing that he wants to do. He he makes excuses, he takes the easier road. Uh, you know, he he breaks up with this girl and I love ah, I love the purity of the moment when he sees the girl in the supermarket. Oh, don't even get me started. Well, oh my let me, god. Let, yeah. let, me, let me explain why this was almost the pick. First of all, He's been just—he's been dying in every issue, and I want to put that aside for now because that sort of, sort of overshadows what's really going on in the book. To me, what the strength of this book, besides the art, which is fantastic, is that they are so good at capturing an emotional moment. Yep. That the first issue was the early '30s, questioning everything. Where's my life? Am I happy? Am I made the right decisions? Am I doing what I want to be doing? They perfectly captured that. The second issue was I'm 21. I'm on vacation. I'm I meet a hot girl. Yep. There's there's passion and there's there's no responsibility. They capture that perfectly. And this issue was you you come out of a long term relationship. You're depressed. You think your life is over. How to move and on? Then you spot a girl and she smiles at you, and you have that moment of clarity where you realize everything's going to be okay. And they captured that perfectly. The, yeah. the panel where he catches her eye. You haven't seen her yet. Actually, you do sort of see her head in the previous panel, but you're not looking for it. Yeah. Um, which is also a telling bit of a, a neat bit of storytelling, really. Yep, because she's there and you don't see. She's it. there, yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, and and that, but that that one panel, that that thing catching the corner of his eye and his, I don't know how they did it, but you know exactly what happened there. Yep. You know, art wise, uh, I really liked that. Um, uh, I've and, had that moment, and they perfectly captured the the, the entire sea change in your yeah. in your emotional and you, state. And with, this, and they not only did they they captured that moment with the thing, but they captured the the breakup effectively. Like this issue was an emotional, like you know, it, it was. I mean, it it was painful, but in a good way. And was, it got. You know. Was this the same girl? 
No. As the one from the last issue because it made it sound like he met her somewhere and she followed. Oh, him the there. first girl, the girl he yeah. broke up with. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what. That's what oh, I. Oh yeah, I the, the, that, the, yeah, she was. She was the girl from the second right. issue. The one yeah, who, yeah, at yeah. the end of the second issue, turned into a witch and killed him. Yes. Yeah. yeah so uh, she didn't do that. Well, not in this. <laughs> in version. this story, these are, yeah, these exactly. are alternate 1985s. Well, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say this. This is Doc Brown's time travel theory, which is I'm fine with. Which is you know like the you know like you know that you have a choice, and for every choice, there's a timeline that happens. And in this particular story, he decided to go back and tell the girl, you know, to go chase after the girl, where probably in real life he kept on walking. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 the, the I mean the title even becomes clear. Why is it called Day Trippers? Well, these are different trips. Yep, exactly. These are through, different, through different little, you know. Well, no, that but, was my that was my only thing that killed me was that was that I felt the, the first two issues really did a uh, really did tell a day in this guy's life, and this one had a year later jump. I think day, a day the day is more of a metaphor. Yeah, I think fair specifically, enough. I don't. Then they weren't a day. I mean, the other one that was a couple. Yeah, the, yeah, the first one was a day. Two, the second one was issue two. Yeah, it was a few days. Yeah, because uh, it was well, yeah, yeah, it's immediately it's a nitpick, but but uh, I think with each issue we're finding what the actual structure is. Yeah, you know, the first issue we thought it would be a day, but then it's it's day. It's more of a metaphor. I don't know. I'm trying to decide. If if in the end we're going to understand think, or not, if it's not important, I think it's not important. I think the term day tripper isn't really about. It's not about the day. It's about little trips, yeah. little short trips. Right. That take in a day, place or in don't. one day. That's not the point. It's actually exactly opposite <laughs> of what I'm trying to say. So you can keep going back to it, but I'm not going to agree with it. Uh, let's talk about Ultimate Spider-Man number seven. Oh, okay. Well, then switching gears. Had I? Are we done? I mean. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I was going to say it, how much I was in love with the girl, and, but whatever. Oh, I know. Me too. I mean, yeah, totally. I was uh, like, oh, God, kill me. You yes. saved me from embarrassment, so let's move on. That's, that's probably best. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number seven is the one that I would have made pick of the week. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of this one. I just mm-hmm. – I, I laughed a bunch of times as I was going through it. I love the real-world aspect. You just put all these people in the house, and they're just like, well, what do we do now? I don't know. And it was <laughs> It's just, almost I, like the easiest writer's – thing oh, in the world it's, put it, all these characters together in a room and they're going to bounce off each other it totally is and that's exactly what he's doing and this is for me this is Bendis absolutely playing to his strengths yep. um, you know it was just fun to read and it was totally like it wasn't like I was like oh this is such a challenging story for him to do and whatever but it didn't matter I was having so much fun reading it yeah. that it was good you know the reason go ahead I, 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 I was kind of disappointed for one very small reason and that was because uh, the artist whose name I'm going to butcher Takeshi Miyazawa Takeshi Miyazawa, he drew Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, and I loved Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. I loved the art in that. And so I was expecting to open this up to find the same art style, and he altered his art style just a bit to be more in line with La Fuente. Fuente. And so when I didn't get what I was expecting, granted, that's my hang-up, not the book's Mm hang-up. I was expecting the style of which he drew Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, and then I didn't get that. I was disappointed. So the whole issue, I was disappointed. And every time there would be be inklings of the old style, I would go, oh, man, I wish it was done in that style. But that's that's not to say that, I I mean, I I, I love the art. But the art was great. It's just just like somebody puts a drink in front of you, and you drink it expecting to be one thing, and it's actually another thing, which you may like, but you were expecting the other thing. It's always about the drinking with you. But um, I was was worried because there was no La Fuente, and you know how much I'm I'm loving it, and I was afraid that it would change the tone of the book. But I thought, again, going back to, you know, like with Amazing Spider-Man, having you know a complimentary style kept the flow of the book, you know, natural, and and the, the gaps that we're going to see because Lafonte can't do a monthly book, you know, he can only he can only do like eight issues a year or something like that. I'm fine with that if they have Miyazawa or somebody like that, so it has a consistent look and feel. I didn't notice, I was a few pages in and I was like, oh wait, this isn't Lafonte. Like yeah. it just it yeah. didn't occur to me because it, it felt yeah, he the did same. a good job of yeah. altering his style to make it more in line with the the, the the Detroit scene was was hysterical. So you know, in addition <laughs> to just the the moments of the book, which I 
found fun and interesting. Uh, I I really I liked the plot. I liked that it tied back yep. into that other thing from was Ultimate Origin. I think. Yep. Yeah. Um. You know, and and uh, I really like Johnny Storm with Spider Man. It's always been yep. one of my really fun team ups. Um. Yep. Well, there's that there's that shot when they're all when the three of them are on the roof and you got Spider Man, Ice Man, and then yeah. Human Torch, and there's Spider Man and his Amazing Friends. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. well, let me ask you this: uh, Is what's what's Rick Jones? Is this is he's being a version of some other character? As far uh, not as far as I can tell. Is it new? Because he's a, he's he's becoming a herald of so like, is he Fire Lord or is Nova, sure? maybe something like that. Yeah, uh, not, not not the Nova we like the other, the girl Nova. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, yeah. That was fun. I think it's gonna like if it's a big sort of cosmic story that put all these these you know superhero friends together. Yep. You know, I think that could be a lot of fun. It was good yeah. stuff. And I'm totally fine with these guys living together for like a year. Oh, like keep it going. Yeah. No yeah. no reason yeah. not to. Just keep that dog. They, they play each other really well. Yeah. So um so my pick of the week, not surprisingly, was the uh last issue of Phonogram, uh the singles club issue number seven. Um and my prediction was that Connor was gonna be disappointed. No, I wasn't actually. Oh, really? I really liked the fact that it was mo- it was a most silent issue. It was all yeah. done through the art, the storytelling. Yeah. I think in the end, it's I, I don't know. I think I'd have to read them all over again to really understand the whole overall art p- plot. Yep. You know, I think in, in terms of moments and scenes, it was really good. And I think I, I'm assuming it's really about the the the, the, the magic and music. Yeah, is what I'm assuming. That's what the whole storyline. Because I think I need to read it all over again. But no, I wasn't disappointed because yeah. after the last couple issues, realizing that it wasn't going the way I thought it was going, I was able to reconcile that for this final issue. Yeah, I mean the the. Um the the whole I mean the the thing about it is that we were always trained to look for like a thread or something to tie things together and these really were just like and and they really just are you know a bunch of people out for a night and then where how they're all their lives crisscross intersect and that sort of thing um, and there was no kind of consistent thread other than that they all went to this club at some point and and I love that how it's it ended where it started in Penny's bedroom um, and it, and. If anything, the art just continued to get better and better and better with this whole series. Um, and uh, this was probably the strongest issue of them all. Like I thought, that, you know, McKelvey really flexed his muscles in terms of, you know, drawing, you know, different kind of layouts and different kind of characters doing different kind of things. You know, whereas the previous issues was a lot of people standing around talking and dancing, you know. Right. Um, I don't know. I just I, I loved it. And it's just it's just, you know, it's the last one and it might be the last phonogram we ever see. Um, and when this comes out in trade, if you didn't read in issues, you know, seriously pick it up and it would just be like it just shows what independent comic publishing can do in my mind. And like it's just an example of, you know, a couple of guys hitting, you know, two creators working together, hitting a stride and then doing something amazing. And this this was this leaps and bounds better than the first series as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Wilson's colors was a huge part of that, too. I yeah. Mean, the yeah. color of the art was better. The color yeah. was better. I thought the story was more accessible. Yeah. I think people, anybody judging the second series off the first series, need to yeah. um, understand it's not like that at all. I didn't, I, I didn't find the first series very accessible at all, but I thought this yeah. was really good. Yeah, it was great. It was just, um, it was just so much fun. So, so I loved it. You got you, the last month unwritten was the uh, book of the month. Yep. Uh, and the big turning point in that whole thing is issue number five, the the Rudyard Kipling issue. Um, yeah. This issue that just came out this past week, number ten. It was mm. another one of those. Oh, oh yeah, who's uh, the writer? Uh, well, the writer's Mike Carey. He does. No, who who <laughs> who did it focus on? Uh, Joseph Goebbels. No way, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Uh, Awkward. It really like like the beginning Awkward. of the book. The characters have just <laughs> uh, some some big stuff went down at the end of last uh, last issue, and they they had all sort of escaped the prison, and they find themselves in basically this sort of ghostly 
half, uh, just sort of like ethereal version of Stuttgart in 1940. There's Nazi flags everywhere, and they go into a, a, a film screening uh, being led by Joseph Goebbels. And no one can see them. They're like ghosts, except for Goebbels sees them. And they have a long conversation, and, and it's just... I, I, it's the bounds of sort of where they're going and the complete limitlessness of what can be done with this story are, are come, come through every once in a while and just like, wow, this can just be anything. And it is starting to feel a little bit like the threads are coming together some so that you can start to sense. I think if this is anything like how Lucifer was uh, structured, like you kind of don't know what's happening for a little while. And then at some point, like a third of the way through, you, you sort of get it from an overall and then it because then you really like a neil stevenson novel yeah you start the journey at that point because the first act you spend sort of like fumbling around in the darkness trying to figure out what it is but there's enough cool ideas and there's enough stuff going on that, that that's still that's okay um from another standpoint i just thought the the art team all together on this one really came together because you had these ghostly ethereal characters uh, so the color was uh, palette was a little off, except for the main characters who were actually real and they were colored normally. But there's a lot of gray and and just very subtle tones and things like that, and just some really interesting concepts. Just some a lot of thinking. There was a lot of German in this. It's one of those <laughs> books where there's like a lot of German and there's no translations for it, so you kind of have to glean context from it. And I I you know we've I, there was a letter about this one time. And and I really I like that. I find that a really interesting thing that you can do in comics. The same way that you can do in, in, in films. You know, if you have if you have a film and you 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 put somebody speaking a foreign language, uh, you're making a conscious choice not to subtitle that. Yep. You're doing it for a reason. Sure there's gonna be some people who speak German and it's not gonna mean the same thing, but there's others who aren't and you kinda have to you know, like that builds the experience for you in a certain way and I like that so it's a bold choice anyway uh, really like this there's definitely consequences from the stuff that happened before uh, it was really a great issue with a fantastic cover uh, again obviously but uh, was Goebbels on the cover uh, yep yes he was but did you, you don't did you read it in the subway you don't no no I did not <laughs> <laughs> no you gotta watch that yeah, that's worse than boobs <laughs> that's just Trump boobs yeah, yeah. it's true <laughs> <laughs> well, what a perfect time to talk about the first convention of 2010. That's why I like to read The Dark Knight, because it's got both. Yeah. Oh, that's true. It does. It wins. Yeah. It trumps everything. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Emerald City Comic Con is in Seattle, Washington, and it's March 13th and 14th, and Ron and I will be there, along Whoa. with some great dealers who buy comics and collectibles. The Emerald City Comic Con always has a ton of great guests. This year is no different. Comics creators like Mike Allred, Brian Azzarello, Ed Brubaker, Joe Casey, Kieran Gillen, Jamie McKelvey, Jeff Johns, Alex Maleev, Terry Moore, Joe Quesada, Rick Remender, Greg Rucka, Chris Samney, and that's just a sm- small sampling of all the comics creators that will be there in Seattle. We've got some awesome movie and TV stars that will also be there, like Leonard Nimoy, Will Wheaton, Felicia Day, and yes, Stanley will be there. And now is your chance to meet Stanley. Go to emeraldcitycomiccon.com. That's Emerald City, C-O-M-I-C-O-N. And you can see all the guests that will be there. You can buy advanced tickets. It's March 13th and 14th in Seattle. And if you're in the area, you don't want to miss it. It's a really fantastic con. And that's just a small I, sampling of guests I read. They have tons of people at that con. Tons. Can I tell you what just made me very uncomfortable? What? That you two are going to be up there with Joe Casey. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all awesome. story time. It just, means, it just means that people, I'm just, people are going to be talking shit about me. Across the country, yeah. like hard, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, like ugh. We're all and we'll have a camera. Yeah, yep. 
exactly. Oh, That'd good. Yeah, oh, great. Fantastic. Uh, we actually, instead of, instead of doing a regular con show, we might just record Joe Casey telling Josh stories. I, I, think, I think we might need to do that, actually. There's, <laughs> there, there's a segment for enough. An, there's a segment. Yeah. I don't know how many stories he had. Listen, I'm going to be... Uh, we could sit around and we can we could we could we could clock wipe between them. I'm gonna be a, <laughs> I'm gonna be a week or two into daddyhood at that point anyway. I won't know. You could be calling me, and be like, and this happened. I'd be like, who are you, <laughs> Uncle Leo? Hello? We should leave with bachelor stories. <laughs> oh, good times. So check it out, EmeraldCityComicCon.com, EmeraldCityComicCon. They got everything, all the guests there, and Ron and I'll be there. Yep. Uh, well, so say hi if you see us. I'm gonna guess that uh, Connor put Batgirl number oh. seven on this list. Yes, I got done with the copy and decided to, I took a mental break. Uh, Batgirl number seven. <laughs> you, and, you, and you made a noise when you did it, too. The sound of, apparently the sound of Connor checking out is, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Batgirl number seven was the third the third book that was almost pick of the week. Batgirl is on the same level as Power Girl. If you're not reading uh, Batgirl, you're missing out. It's another one of those super fun uh, comics that are... Not and Batgirl is tied into the to the Bat the greater Bat world, but she's not. You know, she's mostly on her own, and she's telling her own story. She's a very unique character. It's sort of the she's a very spunky sort of college age you know teen hero, and she's in this issue she's dealing with Damien and she's dealing with uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, and, and Oracle, and and it's, she's she's determined to make it on her own no matter what obstacles are getting in her way. And it's just she's very she's a very appealing character. And next issue is. The Red Robin crossover for anyone who's reading Red Robin, not Batgirl, you should jump on there. But this is fantastic, and it's uh, it's, it's quietly one of the better Batman books. You know, not, it doesn't get the same hoopla that Detective gets or that Batman or Robin gets, but this is definitely a, maybe the third best Batman book, which is, which was shocking when, it, when when they were all announced. I wouldn't have expected that, but it is true. Cool. And what is what does uh, Damien call her? A uh, dreadful shrew. <laughs> the dreadful shrew is holding me back. <laughs> I like that kid. Yeah, he's fun. So DMZ number 50 came out this week to continue the month of Brian Wood here in February. And um, and if you didn't hear the interview, the Talksplode that I did with Brian Wood a couple weeks ago, go back on the feed or go to ifanboy.com to listen to it to hear him talk about this issue. But wow, talk about a 50th issue. Um, uh, keep it keep it cool, Hotshot. Well, it's it's uh, it, the great thing is that it's spoiler free. It's there's nothing there's nothing to spoil. It, they're what they are. What what he did for this fiftieth issue. Well, it's called Notes from the Underground, and it's an anthology issue with a bunch of little short stories that are all just kind of snapshots of the world of the of DMZ. And because you know, as Brian said in the interview, there are so many like questions that you know the, the world that he created with DMZ. Like, well, what's going on here? What is this? Who's the, doing this? And he's not going to cover it all in the book. So it's great to see little kind of moments. There is a story by Ryan Kelly, um, uh, that art by Ryan Kelly about the guy who's taking care of all the art in New York City. Like one guy like went and, into all the museums and gathered them, and is just keeping them safe until this all calms down. Uh, that was just it was amazing. There's a awesome silent story by uh, drawn by Fabio Moon. Um, great black and white story by Ricardo Bercielli, Bercielli or I can't pronounce. Well, the great thing about yeah. DMZ is he has created this entire universe. Yep. He really had he really hasn't explored, and so there's a lot of fertile ground for he, stories. So if all you know is the concept that that you know there was a civil war and now New York City is a DMZ, and you and you like kind of like alternate present or slight future kind of stories, pick up this this one issue. See if you like the tone of it. Then go back and get Volume One because this is a great sampler to DMZ. Like great idea for the 50th issue. No, no impact on the previous storyline. No impact on the next storyline um just great little moments and some great pin not even pinups what he did he did that same kind of thing that uh they did with transmit where instead of a pinup he also included like a paragraph of text to go with the character that's about it 
So you're getting more than just the drawing, but you get, you know, Dave Gibbons, Eduardo Riso, Jim Lee, like some great stuff. So I mean, it was just, it totally, and I, I had a preview of it when I did the interview with him. That was all, um, he sent me a, a black and white preview. Seeing it in color just came, it, it, like, it just looks so much better. Like the Dave Gibbons one, he did that spray, that graffiti artist, and it just looks so cool. Like really good, good Dave Gibbons piece. So. I really like DMZ. It doesn't get as much play as it should. 50 issues. Yeah. It's really yeah. impressive. Yeah, that really is. That's that's no small thing, yep. at all. And you know, it's a good book. I think. I mean, for me, I mean, that's it's, the, it's it's a good book that Josh enjoys whenever he comes over to my house and reads my copy. <laughs> that's well, that's I fair. I don't own the first few at this point. What's the point? <laughs> Jim's out yet? Can I come borrow it? I, I, I'll be and, I'm, and I'm like, and I'm like a year and a half behind too. <laughs> so so clearly, I can't wait to get my paws on it. So I don't think you, I think you forgot to pick up the newest one you came over last week. I I think I'm at least two back. It's really good. It's no, kept good. it up. It's, really it's excellent. Uh, DMZ is a book we'll talk about at some point in the future, I think, when yeah. it's all said and done. Yep. Vengeance of Moon Knight number five. Connor IM'd me specifically and said, make sure you check that out, dude. Uh, and it's a good thing he did because, uh, geez, Jerome Pena. He's fantastic. He's just superb. Well, this series was my – the first issue was my pick of the week. I really liked it. The second issue I didn't like very much at all. I had the century in it. He just stood around didn't do anything like he normally does. And it really delved deep into the mythology and I didn't – I don't really know the Moon Knight mythology. So I didn't really connect with it. But slowly with each issue, it's gotten more accessible. I thought this was the best issue since the first issue, Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly because of the art. But I also really like the end scene with Spider-Man. Yeah, that was fun. I just – I mean if I'm being completely honest, I spent most of this issue just kind of looking at it. Yeah. Um, well, if you haven't been reading, reading the last it. couple issues, you wouldn't. You wouldn't yeah, really and I just, on. you know, I kind of don't really care about the story too much, but I like the end. I like the attitude that they're giving him. I don't like. I don't want to read a crazy Moon Knight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. Well, have that's any, what it is. It's always been crazy. Yeah, but I, I mean, the idea that like he's at least holding it together enough to be cogent most of the time, I'm okay with. I think yes. a crazy character works very well in the context of other characters around, but when it's just about them, I lose in, uh, interest. One question: How strong is Moon Knight supposed to be? Because I don't knows. know, but so that what happens at the end of this issue is this: this the guy who's fighting shoots a rocket to a building, the building starts to collapse, and he holds it up, which I by thought. using his carbonadium joints in his suit so apparently he's not really holding up his suit is well still i don't know how that works i didn't really understand that the it, it was that was a little bit wonky to me but the the end was great when spider-man shows up and starts to lecture him about being a, a hero with ethics and a code and moonlight just sort of flies away and goes how's that working out for you and he pulls back to a banner featuring the you know the the, the avengers dark with the dark avengers you know protecting the city you know it was a really and, awesome little detail in that uh the page before that uh, Spider-Man swings in, and you see the like the the creases in his costume, yeah, and like just like the folds of his of his little costume. And I just thought, oh, no one does that. That's really neat. Opinion is uh, fantastic. The, the downside is apparently in issue seven or eight, someone else is drawing. So I think as soon as he's off, I'm I'm gonna follow. But is uh, he? Is there any chance that he's leaving it to go do a Hawkeye book? <laughs> because yes, I want I want that. That's what I thought as I was reading this. I go, he'd do an awesome Hawkeye book. By the way, apropos of nothing, the preview for that X Factor Forever thing after this, yeah, I love that art. It looks awesome. It's Dan Panosian. It's Dan freaking Panosian. I don't know who that is, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Oh, it's gonna be great. Sorry, they're back on ship. They're back on ship. Louis Louisie's back. Louisie's back. 
I don't All know. Right. I literally don't know what you're talking about. Keep their, their, their base was a ship. It was a spa- it was the spaceship. It was this old uh, anyway. Apocalypse is a spaceship. And they, wait a minute. It was, well, you're saying the carrier from the Authority was bullshit? Yeah, oh, pretty no. much. <laughs> uh, let's talk about BPRD King of Fear number two. This was a little. I think it was only a two two issue story uh, in the BPRD thing. And this is. I don't know if I really have anything else to say about it other than every single time one of these comes out, I'm just stunned at the economy and quality of storytelling that Arcudi and and Guy Davis uh, do together. I mean, these pages, every one of these pages is like a masterclass in in how to do storytelling and tone and just, I, the Guy Davis art is so subtly overwhelming. Like you, it's so good. And it's, if you're not paying attention, you won't even notice it. But, uh, you know, every page is, it's just this, is just a wonderful work of art. And, uh, I, re- I really love this book. I'm, I'm Could so Guy glad. Davis draw a Hawkeye book? Uh, I don't know if it would be right. I think he would storytell the hell out of it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that that's exactly his tone. I don't think Could he do a book called Ronin, Son of Hawkman? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Uh, no, it doesn't, screw- but it sounds like you'd buy it. That would yep. sc- I would buy that. That's crazy. That would really screw up Hawkman continuity. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> uh, Dark X-Men number four. Uh, not much to say on this other than um, Paul Cornell, Leonard Kirk. I miss Captain Britain. I want Paul Cornell and Leonard Kirk to be on Uncanny X-Men. There, I said it. Because I couldn't care less about these characters or this contrived story, but it just well, looks what, looks and reads awesome. Again, I forgot you talked. It's about Mystique, Dark Beast, Mimic, oh, uh, right. Weapon right. Omega, now Nate Gray, but and Norman and stuff like that. It, I mean, I couldn't care less about the story. I mean, but Paul's writing the hell out of it, and Leonard's drawing the hell out of it. And it's just I love it. So one of the best things about Reign of Terror ending, Dark <laughs> Dark Reign ending, yeah. was uh, will be all these dark you know books go away. Gone away exactly. So, um, cool. So that was all the comics we read this week or the ones that we felt deemed necessary to talk about. But you, the iFan base, the community felt the uh, other books deserved to be talked about, including New Mutants number 10, which was reviewed by Wood Mania, who uh, gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5. And at this uh, the time of this uh, recording, 4.4% of you made it your pick of the week. And this is Wood Mania's entire review and said, for the first time since House of M, we have a Cyclops sighting and it's not in an X-Men book. I don't know about that. I have not been a fan of the character's turn towards defending the mutant race, as if homo superior life is more valuable to him than homo sapien. Here we finally see Cyclops look beyond the here and now and look at the big picture of what it means to be, be an X-Man. He showed more character in this, in this one issue than he has in the last decade. Also, I admit the references back to the Liefeld issue of X-Force brought a smile to my face. Um, I, I don't agree with everything Woodmania said. Um, he's, he, he or she kind of glossed over the majority of the book, which was the New Mutants. Um, but <laughs> the Cyclops, Cyclops to draw for this? Everybody, everybody is talking about how excited they were for Cyclops. Well, yeah, Cyclops is on the cover, and, and Cyclops is in maybe four or five pages of it. Um, basically what happens is that the, new, the new Mutants, uh, uh, the, the old New Mutants team, Cannonball, Sunspot, you know, um, Moonstar, the, you know, that whole team, they get dispatched by Cyclops to Japan to deal with Sauron who, and some of the Savage Land mutates who – Left the Savage Land to go to the Utopia, and and they cause Middle some, Earth. Yeah, they cause some trouble. Um, and so the New Mutants go there, and meanwhile, back on in Utopia, Cyclops is watching the fight, and he's Emma picks up on the fact that he's watching them because he's he's trying to find the next leader of the X Men, and it's assumed that'll be Cannonball, but then towards the end, he's like, oh, maybe it won't be Cannonball. Um, but it, it was just a great issue. Zeb Wells is right. This is New Mutants has been quietly one of the books that. Like is kind of like if you're an X Men fan or you know casual X Men fan, you should be reading this book because it's really good. I wasn't, don't wasn't the Cyclops in our X Force? 
Yeah, he was. Uh, Cyclops has appeared in other books than Uncanny. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and this is and and New Mut- and sorry, Woodmania, but New Mutants is an X Men book. But um, they all have X's on their belts, so uh, deal with it. But he was he was pretty cool in Astonishing X Men. Yeah, he was. But that was an X Men book. But anyway, I know, but he uh, said he hasn't been good in anything. Yeah, no, he's been great. I mean, there have been moments. Cyclops is a great character as always has been. So f you. But um, the art. <laughs> Wait, you meaning me? <laughs> you, yeah, you. No, everybody, all of you. All you are the ones who don't like Cyclops. Um, the art was uh, split by Paul Davidson and David Lopez and Alvaro Lopez. So you had three artists on the book, um, and what they did was they, you know, the scenes of New Mutants was by Paul Davidson, and the scenes of Cyclops were done by David and Alvaro Lopez. And um, uh, art was great. I thought I loved the art in this book. The art in this book has been consistently good. Love New Mutants. Uh, Cubman nine eighty seven uh, wrote in about Batman and Robin number eight. Gave the story a low two out of five, and the art a four out of five. And pick of the week percentage at the time of recording is 5.7%. That rounds up to 6. He says, This was an odd issue for me, just that it was not up to the usual standards. I thought that Stewart's art was really good and enjoyed it quite a bit, as well as the Quietly cover. The story, however, just wasn't there for me this week. I think my main... There was an ellipsis there. I think my main problem with this story, other than it being kind of weird, is the overall lack of depth. I mean, I understand what's going on, but the story is a little choppy, a little rushed, and I'm not sure how the cult aspect of the story makes a whole lot of sense. Maybe it will be explained better next issue, as Batwoman's presence in the story is explained in this issue. I, I, it's interesting that he said it, it lacked depth, because what I see online, people complaining that there's, there's too much. There's too much. You have to know too much, which is sort of the opposite. But uh, I really like this. I, I liked the, st- the – basically, the storytelling technique is, was one that's used all over the world. Place and half of the West Wing was was drop you in the middle of the story and then flash you back to how you got there and this is what he's been doing here in uh, in the story of Dick's misguided attempt to resurrect Bruce with a Lazarus pit. Mm-hmm. I I know what you're saying. It wasn't actually Bruce who was dead. I agree. I I understand what he's saying and I don't necessarily agree with him because it's whether you like it or not. You know, you can like it or, or a little bit. I got a little confused in the middle of this one. Um, I went back and tracked my way through it and I figured it out and it made sense because the Batman who was flying back was was the zombie crazy Batman fake Batman. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's like crazy fake Captain America? Well, what we find out here was that it, we flash back to Final Crisis to, to, to reveal that Dark, you know, when Darkseid was trying to clone Batman in Final Crisis, but they couldn't because he was too crazy, if you recall. Yep. Um, Darkseid switched out his body with a fake clone body. So the body that Superman carried out at the end of Final Crisis was a clone. The body that they returned to Alfred and Batman was a clone. The body that Dick Grayson brings to the Lazarus Pits a clone. So they bring, they resurrect a clone Batman who was who was crazy to begin with, but crazier from coming out of the Lazarus Pit. Mm-hmm. So the, that that that's how you rectify how is Batman in, in the past and also in the present is that yeah. the clone it was a clone body in the present. I Just, I got I like I liked the ideas in this one a lot. I really liked the like you know the the clone Batman and the craziness and everything. I don't know if I think the execution was was 100% there. I think there were parts where it probably could have been stronger. And and I, everybody's into the Cameron Stewart art. I don't love it. I don't I, mean, I don't think it's I bad. thought the, I thought the Cameron Stewart art was th- the, was almost thicker this issue if that makes sense, like the inking. Mm-hmm. Um, I know and, and Cameron's doing his own inks like he's just listed as the artist, but I felt like the last issue was a little cleaner and this one felt a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a th- there's a thick line around a lot. Yeah. Um, but and that's the thing is like I like I said last issue like I don't care about the story at all I was just looking for the art and I, I really I really do like Cameron Stewart I like what he did with this um, uh, I'll tell you what threw me for a loop is that um, I got to the end of the story and that f- first wave I, uh, I thought that was just an ad I missed that it was a sneak preview and I turned the page <laughs> and I'm like oh this is a different style and I, was like, <laughs> and, and I started reading it and because it's kind of 
this could be a Batman story. This 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 Brian well, has he's a, in he's it. In there. Yeah. yeah, I know. That, exactly. art, that art looks great, by the way. Yeah, and then it confused the hell. I'm like, what is the spirit doing in this book? <laughs> it confused the hell out of me. It was so- <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, I I. I don't know. It's like these these books I like, and then I don't, and then I do, and then they really you got to judge them at the end. They think a little bit, but I do feel like we got spoiled. You know, issue number two was the greatest issue I've read, and I don't remember how long. Well, the first three, the first arc was yeah. was fantastic. Um, my favorite part was the Dick Van Dyke's Chimney Sweep Gang. Yeah, yeah, that was I think, I think that you was can't fun. go wrong with Chimney Sweet Gangs. Yeah, although although the masks reminded me of that uh, Punisher uh, NS. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, Oh, I'm man. here to clean your chimney. No. <laughs> no. I'm here to order comic books online. Go to DCBS where you can get monthly specials of up to 75% off, 40% off all major publishers, and flat rate shipping of $5.95 on all U.S. orders. You can buy anything that is listed in the previews catalog, and there are many, many thousands of trade paperbacks in stock. Uh, you can track your orders online, and you can go to DCBService.com to order uh, somebody actually wrote in this week and wondered they're a soldier uh, and they're stationed overseas and they wanted to know how they could get comics and I checked and DCB and in stock do uh, ship to APO addresses. Awesome. Uh, not those same shipping rates but but they can get you stuff. So if you're you're stationed overseas and you want your fix of comics you're getting a good discount on them. Uh, that's one way that you can do it. Uh, so they'll, they'll take care of you. Uh, make sure you check out the Summit City Comic Con. Uh, that is going to be on May 22nd in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you're in the middle of the country somewhere and you think, I'd like to go to a cool little one-day show, uh, then that's the place you want to go. Go to SummitCityComicCon.com for more information on that. They'll have everything you want. There's a bunch of artists and stuff going to be there, and I'm sure they're going to have some exceptionally good deals on buying uh, comics. <laughs> I'm guessing. It's just a, yeah. it's just a thought. <laughs> so thanks to DCBService.com for sponsoring the show. All right. Well, it's the, t- it's the time of the month where we are one week late talking about the, the NAM. Time of the we month. Had one week, week late. There you go. We- <laughs> nice. That's a good, those are words you want to hear strung together. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've had those. That's rough. <laughs> a lot of stress. You have. <laughs> yeah, well, when it's me, it's a lot more stressful than when it's you. Yeah. Um, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> uh, I just met you. Book of the month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we just went way inside. Yeah. The NAM Volume One was the I family book of the month for February. It is from Marvel Comics and writer Doug Murray, artist Michael Golden with uh, Wayne Van Zant, who did one of the issues. This was the incredible release from Marvel Comics that happened in the late eighties, eighty six, I believe. Josh, it was eighty six. Eighty six, correct. Yep. And this was the true story of the Vietnam War. And if that, if if the idea that Marvel put a book out chronicling a realistic take on the Vietnam War in 1986 blows your mind, then, then you're normal because it should blow your mind. The fact that this came out in 1986, very, less than 10 years after the war ended. Very and, risky, very risky. And not like it was an imprint book. It wasn't coming out from Epic or any of these other, other imprints at the time. It was coming out from Marvel Comics. And, it was, and it's in continuity, too. Well, at the end of the, at the end of the at the end, it went for seven years and, and seventy or eighty issues, and by the end they were really struggling for sales, so they brought the Punisher in, which really sort it of brought it into six one six, baby. Ruined the the whole point of the book, which is which. You're, you're how proud of that, Ron is. He's like he's talking like a Giants fan. He's like six one six, baby. That's how we do it. <laughs> um, the the Nam is is a fantastic. Uh, 
real life on the ground tale, and it's written. It's, it's written by a Vietnam vet. Larry Hammer was the editor. He's a Vietnam vet, and they, the one thing they really wanted to do was to tell a true story. They didn't want to Hollywood it up. They didn't want to glam it up. They didn't want to tell anything re- unrealistic. They, they, they did a lot of research. A lot of the stories are based on real, if not real events, r- inspired by real events, real missions, real recon, real things that happen. And a lot of it isn't. Not a lot of running around and shooting and a lot of heroic events. A lot of it's just survival. And really that's what the, I found at the end of the day the NAM was about survival. And that was – the really compelling thing was because you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a bunch of guys in, in, in uniforms. So the course of these 10 issues, you really get to know them and some of them don't make it to the end. And you really – I think they did a really good job of creating the atmosphere of the war, the confusion of the battlefield, the, the growth of a character. We, we follow this, the one character – Whose name I'm now I'm blanking on. Marks. Is it Ed Marks? Mar- Marks, yeah. Marks. He the first issue, the first page is him flying off to war, and it's this the the structure of the story was every issue was a was a month. So after ten issues, we've been in the war for ten months. So yeah. Mark Marks has been in the war for ten months by the end, and you go from a wide-eyed, not naive, it's but new you know new grunt on the on the field to a sort of a veteran of the war by the end and it's a subtle growth and it's not like it opens overnight eventually you just get to the point where he, oh he is a veteran now and he's he's not so uh green as it were and and it was it, it was it worked on so many levels well, what, what what i found interesting about it was that there it was it was purely like you said experiential and survival based there was no there's no there's no judgment on the war why are they there what are they fighting for it was just like listen he got you know he either these guys either got joined or got or drafted they're in the shit and this is what they're dealing with and and this is what you know this is what the experience was like and that's what i think was amazing and then on on the art side too is you know with michael golden art um Who's a name who I think now you hear thrown about and you don't understand why this is an example of why Michael Golden deserves respect. And his style is very unique. It's very yeah. it's it's half cartoony, half super realistic, and I think it works in that uh, if you're creating and if you're trying to capture an atmosphere, there's not much more of an exaggerated atmosphere that I would imagine than war. You know, you go from normal to chaos, and and it's life and death chaos. So the fact that occasionally. Faces are, are are exaggerated, or poses are yeah. exaggerated. I think it's fine because in in the, the reality, I think your reality is exaggerated in that instance. I think so. I like the art a lot for. This. I thought yeah. it was perfect. I mean, it really. I I've read little bits of this in the past, but never in order, never from the beginning. And I think that once I did it in that way, it really clicked for me, and I got it. Because when I'd read it before, I was like, "What is this?" And it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It just didn't hold up to what I had. I had heard about it, but uh, you know, the point that you make about Marx is that you don't realize that he's he's because it doesn't. It, it's not a straight line. It skips a month. The whole thing takes place in real time, and you get to him later, and he's a different character. And it takes you a second to realize that you are looking at the same character. Right. But he's because he's changed so drastically in a month, and not in a way that's bad storytelling. In fact, it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, really, really great. I also learned uh, we've had this conversation a lot about the worst thing that you would want to be uh, in in a wartime <laughs> situation. Uh, it's come say. up tankies. That's come up. Uh, you yep. don't want to be in the tank, or you don't want to be the ball turret gunner in a B seventeen. Yep. Uh, I don't ever want to be a tunnel rat. <laughs> God no. No. <laughs> I yeah. I learned a lot in this book. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of this, and, and a lot of it is in the beginning. You know, Marx is going through the war, so we—he's our vessel into the war, ex- explaining tactics and why why the guy, the scout, walks way ahead and why he never gets attacked by the Viet Cong and and what the Tolerant does and how he got the name and, and the history of the war in one issue. And so he's our he's our vessel into learning. And there's a lot of history and military stuff going on. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it works in lots of levels. 
Totally. And um, I did learn that if you're going to read this book, uh, you need to listen to uh, Fortunate Son in the background while you're reading it. Bear, so that, that, that's what it, yeah. It ain't me. It ain't I prefer me. Buffalo Springfield. Oh, yeah. That's that one can work too. Maybe a good mix, a good late, late 60s mix. I just yeah. listened to I, that. Uh, I ain't no fortunate song. That's really the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I, I just listen to the fixing the die rag over and over again. And I see that little ball bouncing. Some people fall. For, I don't even know the lyrics. <laughs> well, we, we, you can read my review on ifanboy.com. You can. We're gonna find a way to work this into the video show. We all really like this, so I think we're gonna find a way to put it in. So if you haven't uh, heard enough about this, you'll be able to find more about it soon. I think. But uh, check it out. Instock Trades has it for thirty-seven percent off, eighteen eighty-nine. It's crazy. So client. It's a big, thick trade. It's six. It's ten issues plus a really good introduction by Larry Hammer telling you the history of the book and how it came to be, yep. which is fascinating in and of itself. So check it out. The NAM Volume One, iFanboys, February. Book of the month. Yeah. How about that, Larry Hammond? He's like the Stanley of the eighties. He really, he really is very important. He's, he's really important, really important. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so I want to uh, remind you about C two E two. It's coming to Chicago for the first time in two decades. A major National Comics and Entertainment Convention is coming to downtown Chicago. Uh, you're going to want to make your plans now. It's coming on April sixteenth through April eighteenth, where thousands of fans and creators and celebrities are going to come uh, to to enjoy the con in the Windy City. Uh, they got a ton of special guests this year, including Alex Ross, Jeff Smith, Jeff Johns, Mike Mignola, Ethan Van Skyver, um, and Tons of more of your favorite creators. You're going to want to check it out. The great thing about C2E2 is the price. If you want to go, it's $25 for one day pass, $50 for the entire weekend. That's, that totally makes it affordable. So to get a full list of the guests and all the events that are going on and to buy tickets online, go to C2E2.com. That's C, the number two, E, the number two.com. But wait, there is more. C2E2 and iFanboy, we, we, you know, you, at iFanboy, we like to give things away. So we teamed up with the folks at C2E2, and we're giving away a chance to win tickets and tons of C2E2 merchandise before the, uh, before the con starts. So we're going give, to be giving away one amazing VIP package, three weekend passes, five exclusive C2E2 posters signed uh, by Alex Ross, you know, the painty guy, you know, his work. <laughs> um, and we're also giving away 15 limited edition C2E2 t-shirts. And the grand prize... The total, the one that you're you're going to be you're working for, is to win a lunch with an editor from Marvel, and we assume they're picking up the tab. We hope. Um, yeah. So you, uh, entering the contest is super easy. Just go to c2e2/ifanboy, enter your name and your email address, and that's all it takes. You're entered from there. Um, and uh, c2e2 and us, we're going to be drawing the winners uh, for all the entries on March 19th. So do it by March 19th. So that's c2e2/c2e2.com/ifanboy, and stay tuned because we're planning the official after party. Ifanboy is one of the sponsors of the official after party, and there's going to be great more ways to win tickets and other merchandise uh, by following c2e2 on Twitter at, at c2e2. And Ron and I will be there. Yes, we will. Yes, we will be there as well. <laughs> I think you could win lunch with us. Maybe. When you pay. Well, I am lunch. Oh. I know you yeah. <laughs> I will buy lunch. <laughs> let's, let's get a couple of emails in here quick. We're running out of time, so we'll blow, we'll, we got some quick ones. Jackie from Queens, New York. Josh, what, what? Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. <laughs> His Represent. quick question is, Comic-Con season is coming, and I've done a, I've done a, and I've a, duh. and I've a ton of money saved up. I probably think he means a ton. Yeah, Let's start a, it over with the proper spelling. Yeah. Quick question. Comic-Con season is coming and I have a ton of money saved up and I plan on getting tons of trades. The question is, which of the following three trades should I get? Jeff Johns' entire run on The Flash, Jeff Johns' early run on the JSA, or Walt Simons' store Visionaries? Which one should you get? That's like, should I buy the entire Queen discography or Jessica or, Simpson? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, I, was trying, like, <laughs> I was just trying to think of very different books. Like, should I, should I get this Beatles album or this Beatles album? Right. They're all uh, good. I mean, like, I, I personally, I would say get the Flash because I love that run. 
So that's, but I'm biased. I, I think, think a Josh will fix Thor visionaries. I'd, I'd go for the Thor stuff. That Walt Simonson stuff is long, goes for a long time. It's you know it's seminal, but I could see the Flash too. I think is it long. I'd, is it long, Josh? So I will say, I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick the third one and say JSA. Yeah. John's JSA run. If you enjoy the current one, you will most likely also enjoy the original run. It's basically the same quality of writing, and he he builds a lot of the stuff that the new second one was built on top of. We're not we're not giving any answers tonight, basically. So basically, Jack. whoever you agree with most, you should go with that. Flash Nick from Minneapolis, Minnesota writes in with a strange request. Oh, I no. need help with my wedding. Oh no. <laughs> oh dear God! Yeah, nothing good. In forever. Nothing good can come of this. Okay, my lovely fiance has agreed to let several comic relate, comic book related things slip into our wedding, mainly the Cyclops and Phoenix Mighty Mug cake toppers, and more importantly, a reading in the actual ceremony itself. I was hoping to find something appropriate from an old superhero wedding issue, but I've come up empty-handed so far. Is there anything you guys can think of that would work? My future wife and I would be eternally grateful. Okay, I got two thoughts here. Number one, how big is your cake? Those Mighty Mugs are huge. They're very wide. Yeah. They're very wide. How are you working that out? Anyway, number two, don't do a reading from a comic book at your wedding. I know it's cool and fun and everything, but there are no good comic book wedding issues to read from. We all end up in a fight. Exactly. Like, and you don't want to end up. You don't want to end up fighting your guests. And they were mostly all written by by salty, fat, white haired men. Yes, exactly. Who did have loyal wives? Who did have very loyal and loving wives? But um, yeah, I I I know what you're doing, dude. And and walk down the aisle to like the, to a good song or something. I don't know. It just it's yeah, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I was I was watching the other night some of our old episodes and uh, and the love episode where we did all the relationship questions. And I was yeah. thinking this and this email came and I was like, wow, that hasn't happened in a while. It hasn't. Yeah. So give us your relationship questions. Maybe we should do another love show. No, let's not do that. <laughs> um anyway so yeah i don't know i mean do you guys agree with me or no i, I agree yeah, with you like there's certain agree. things that like like keep that i don't know it's like you see those people have the stormtrooper weddings and you th- and yeah, i just i think much. back to my wedding and i'm like i'm, I'm glad i didn't do that well Wear the, your x-men boxer shorts if you want to exactly it's all about subtle touches on the outside that was yeah, tux. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that was awkward um no, i think i think the main problem is i don't think there's any good source material for you i agree you know what I, we're I think most do? most superhero weddings don't end up with a big speech although maybe the maybe the spider-man wedding maybe the finesse of four wedding but really the the, the the whole point of the wedding is usually just to have a big fight you know, go subtle, we were go subtle. Do the, in our recessional we were gonna we it changed at the last minute but uh we were gonna do the superman theme yeah. during our no, recessional you, you, you chose the right one yeah yeah, uh, but that what didn't happen. Yeah. No, the recession because my the bagpipe showed up. Oh right, right, yeah. Oh, right. I, was talking, I was talking about the introduction at the reception when you came into. Uh, that was the there was final. one of the Amelie theme and then the Princess Bride theme. No, no, you came into the reception. It was the final countdown. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we were awesome. really into Arrested Development at the time. <laughs> See, and that's something you you know maybe yeah. you, you dated your wedding yeah, exactly yeah. yeah which is awkward because you were getting married and you're dating well, what's your funny is that we used the final <laughs> countdown and i and I, I found myself years later wondering if people thought that we just really like europe <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't anyway so but also your brother coming out the top the top gun theme was, was, yeah, might that have been, was pretty cool that, that was, was a good one. one wow you remember a lot of that connor which is funny because he was very drunk connor not so. at that point all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. So, email us at contact with all your relationship and wedding planning questions for a nominal fee. We will plan your wedding. So, yes. Yeah. So, email us at contact um, No voicemails this week because we did the book of the month, so we're gonna get the voicemails back next week. So, really quickly, we uh, we still have a couple of Battle Pug shirts. I don't know for sure. I haven't done the final count, but there's still a couple left. The Fear Agent shirts are still for pre-order. We're gonna be we're gonna be putting those in production. I think in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. get your Fear order orders in. It's a Fear Fear Agent original. 
t-shirt by Jomo, Jomo Payne. The only Fury Agent shirt ever. Go to ifanboy.com slash store. Order it now while you can. They're going quickly. So I know I say that all the time, but it's true. It's not just bullshit. So. <laughs> you can uh, make sure you listen to the Talksplode podcast. This last week, Ron spoke with Brian Wood, like we said. And uh, Chris Neesman has been helping out and doing the Don't Miss shows. Uh, they come out on Mondays. They're yeah, great. I love listening to them. It's like it's like I can listen to little little short around comics, but it's on our site. And I don't. Have you know, to it was bizarre the first Chris Eastman show where he said he was from. You know, yeah, with my fanboy, and I was like, yeah. that doesn't seem. That's right. for a loop. Yeah, it was weird. But he talked to Phil Hester about the Anchor, which is a really cool series from Boom. That uh, the the first trade came out with the first collecting the first four issues this this week with issue five, and you get the trade for like nine bucks. And fun, then get, fun yeah. episode too. It was, yeah, it was really. Good. Good. I've never heard Phil. Actually, no, I remember hearing Phil Hester at a con once, and just he was really funny and good. So, yeah, he's a good guy. Good so, um, so yeah, uh, and we got some giveaways. Yeah, the Top Cow Prize Pack, the contents of which I don't remember off the top. It's of a my lot. Head. It's like eight or nine trades. Some cool stuff. Top so Cow stuff. Really yeah. good wanted edition in there, I believe. Uh, yes. In addition to some other really cool stuff. The winner is David Gammon. <laughs> David Gammon. Gammon. Okay. I yeah, was trying Gammon. to make too much of that yeah. H. Uh, David has David has one in Paler Volume One, Freshman Volume One. Michael, the art of Michael Turner, Wanted the Assassins Edition, Magdalena Blood Divine, Pilot Season Volume One, Strike Force Volume One. I have them all right here. That's very cool. So um, good. And he he won that because he is an iFanboy member, and you could become a member too at iFanboy.com/store, and that makes you eligible to win the remaining February giveaways, including uh, next week we're giving away a Vertigo prize pack, which is yep. awesome. Uh, it's got Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Um, uh, Sh- I can read it out for you. I got them right here. Swamp okay. Thing Volume Two, Shade the Changing Man's Volume One and Two, Air Volume Two, Sandman the Dream Hunters the OGN. That is I, one, two, three, four, five trades. I believe that the Sandman and and the Swamp Thing are hardcovers, yes. aren't they? Yes, they are. We're underselling that in, on the website. They are hardcovers, so that's pretty fucking cool. Deluxe but, edition. But then the ultimate giveaway at the end of the month, we're going to be giving away a signed copy of Choker Number One, which may or may or not went to stores this week. Um, <laughs> from Some ben, stores got it. And it was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Ben Templesmith and Ben McCool, um, and we're going to be giving away an original page, page number two from the Choker preview that appeared in Liberty Comics, number two from Image Comics, uh, original page of art from Ben Templesmith, which is not cheap. People, um, we're going to be giving that away to a lucky winner. And if you haven't checked out Choker yet, it's now definitely shipping on February 24th, the same week as we're doing this uh, this giveaway. So make sure you become a member, become eligible, and go pick up Choker while you're at it. It's going to be awesome. So. Make sure you go to ifanboy.com. You'll see all those things there, those prize packs. Or at least you can see pictures of them if, if that's what you need to put you over the edge. Uh, you'll also see a bunch more posts and fun things to talk about, uh, stuff that we write about all week. Uh, activity's been high, a lot of things going on, a lot of stuff to talk about. It's been uh, it's been good on the site lately, and you should come join the fun if you have not. We put, God, we put more work into the site than anything else we do probably. So if you're missing out on that, then you're missing out on the most of iFanboy, and that would be <laughs> a shame. Uh, you can go to iFanboy.com slash about. You can see who we are and 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 uh, stalk us on the internet. So that's what those links are for. Yeah, go to twitter.com slash ifanboy. Follow us there. That you can do too. We have a video show that is also hosted at ifanboy. This last week was the, what I, t- I titled The Grizzly Vault because yep. everybody in the books were a little bit grizzly. Uh, and next week, uh, what, we, what we've said will be the last Strangers of Paradise show we ever do. No, we're talking about the work of Terry Moore uh, in its entirety. Uh, spending some time on Strangers in Paradise and Echo, and uh, good stuff coming up. Hypothetically, it's coming out next week. So. 
good. <laughs> Wonderful. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Voicemails will return next week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, romance questions. Yes. We love Questions those. about your marriage. They're fun. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you like what we do, uh, go to iTunes, write a review for this show, but ultimately go to write a review for iFanboy Don't Miss. I saw a bunch of you have written some reviews in there. Go subscribe to iFanboy Don't Miss. Just search for iFanboy and iTunes. Subscribe to them all. Write reviews for them all. For them all. Oh, wow. <laughs> you get, wow. Did you get I emotional? Got cho- I got choked up there. I got a little- <laughs> did you just um, throw up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An air bubble happened. Anyway, um, so go to iTunes, write reviews, and tell your friends, tell your comic book store, tell anybody that, that likes comics about iFanboy. Help us spread the word. We really appreciate it. Jesus, so. Ron's got the bends. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. Ugh, not at all. Ugh. Anyway, so all right. So uh, I think that wraps up for this week. Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Tom Caters. What does this script say? What the? <laughs> <laughs> Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down